Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to the Weeds or Wild podcast series as a part of the Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Dr. Jason Norsworthy, and I'm a distinguished professor of weed science with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. And today I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Tommy Butts, our extension weed scientist. Hey, Tommy, it's great to have you on this episode of our podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I appreciate being here to be able to talk about uh, the wonderful topic of herbicide resistance in the state. So That is, that is correct. We're going to talk a little bit about herbicide resistance uh, today. So, you know, with that, I think today, uh, Tommy, you know, me and you were talking before we, we went live with this podcast, we're going to focus today's podcast on herbicide resistance issues associated with, with rice. And I think we'll follow that up next week with talking about some weed issues outside of, of rice. And, you know, when I think of rice weed control, uh, Dr. Butts, you know, we did a survey, I guess, what, about a year and a half ago now, the number one weed of rice, everyone in the state of Arkansas understands what that is, that's barnyard grass. Yeah, it was an overwhelming response. I mean, it was basically every single respondent had that as their number one weed in Absolutely. rice, both, both in, in flooded and row rice. I mean, it's it's problem in both systems, so. That is correct. You know, it's hard for me, you know, as you go around the state and you look at fields, there's very few fields in which barnyard grass does not exist uh, within rice. And we've been doing a screening. Actually, I can think back when I was a graduate student at the University of Arkansas back in the mid-90s. I remember us even doing a barnyard grass screening at that point uh, with Dr. Ron Talbert. And it's amazing at what's happened over, I'd say, I guess the last 25, if not 28 years, propanil resistance really is what triggered uh, this screening. And it's just amazing when I look at the numbers today and see where we were, 1990, 1991, first cases of uh, propanil resistant barnyard grass to today. When I'm sitting here looking at my numbers in 2022, which would be the 2021 samples, that uh, we evaluated. We had 51 barnyard grass samples that came in uh, this year. And of those, when I take a look here at the number, 76% of those, three out of four samples tested positive for propanil resistance. And, you know, it's just gotten to the point where today, I mean, it's propanil's not a barnyard grass material. It's hard for me to say that when I think back to, again, the 80s, even the early 90s, and really propanil was the cornerstone of what we did for barnyard grass control. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that, whenever I get phone calls to it, most of the time I'll ask the question just to check, but it's pretty much like, oh yeah, propanil doesn't kill our, you know, it doesn't touch our barnyard grass. Um, there's some pockets I think I can find in the river valley where it still works, maybe just right on the west side of the ridge. You know, there's a couple of little pockets where it still can be successful, but it's real limited. I mean, it's like you said, the 76% plus is, is seems about right to me where the majority of cases it's not working anymore for, for barnyard grass. Well, and, and again, I, I don't want to make this a weed control talk, but this, this isn't necessarily to say that propanil is not a valuable tool for us in rice. I think it really is. You know, I know I've done a lot of work on, on sedges. You've done a lot. You've done a tremendous amount of work on sedges since you've got here. And, and um, this is still a valuable tool for the Arkansas rice growers. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to, I mean, some of the weeds we talk about later, you know, where we've gotten away with using other chemistries and now we have resistance. 
our next option, our fallback option comes back to propanil. And so, yeah, like you said, it, it may not be a barnyard grass material anymore, but we're going to be using it a heck of a lot in the near future here for multiple weeds that are resistant to other herbicides. So, yeah, it's still going to be a real valuable tool in the toolbox. Exactly. Another herbicide that we uh, have in our screening program, and it was really the second barnyard grass resistant weed that we found within the state is we have facet that we, we screen for. And, you know, as I've looked at these numbers for the past three, four years, what's interesting is it's every time that I find propanil resistance, I almost always find facet resistance within that same population. And I don't know if it's just because we had used propanil in some of these fields. And when propanil failed, we kind of switched to facet. I'm talking about, again, the late 90s, early, early 2000s. But looking at my numbers here, 78%, almost identical uh, percentage, we had facet resistance. And this facet resistant number has really exploded over the last five, five years. The propanil has definitely increased substantially as well as, as facet. And, you know, I've gotten to the point today when I think about facet and think about barnyard grass resistance, I'm a bigger fan of using, if I'm going to use facet, I want to use it at planting because on these resistant populations, we still have some activity on a facet resistant population. Whereas if that barnyard grass emerges, facet or any other form of quinclorac, I mean, absolutely no activity at all. What, what are your thoughts about that? That was exactly what I was going to ask you next was, you know, I, I'm, my main recommendation is move facet up with command and use the residual out of it because I still see great residual control out of it and and adding even if it's only let's say 60% on a resistant population adding 60% to what command gives us is awesome and uh, so I love it up front in the residual standpoint and 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 like you said I just from a post perspective I just don't see success out of it you know anymore really at all and so I, I i'm with you i like moving it up and the fact that even if we have a technically resistant population post we still get residual activity that's where i'm all about it too so yeah i definitely agree there well and i think the guy that's using facet post-emergence if he's banking on facet to give him post-emergence control i see you getting into a salvage situation rather quickly because it looks like based on the numbers the chance of it failing is extremely high and now all of a sudden, I'm probably post-flood, pre-flood or post-flood with very, very large barnyard grass. And you're going to spend, spend a lot of money trying to control big barnyard grass. Yeah. And even then in the salvage situation with rice star posts like that, we, you know, the past couple of years, we've had a couple of salvage studies and it, it, even facet then it mixed with other things hasn't looked great in a salvage situation. You know, we could do some things like rice star and regiment and get some really good control on big barnyard grass in a salvage situation, but like a rice star and facet, a clincher and facet, it just hasn't, it, it's not the same level of control. You really don't get anything extra out of it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm hundred percent moving it up you know, earlier in our season and using the residual as much as possible out of it. So you, you, you mentioned clincher, you mentioned rice star. I include clincher in our herbicide screening within the barnyard grass. And when I'm sitting here looking at the numbers today, 22% of the samples this past year came back positive for clincher resistance. I think it was 12 of the, the 51, 13, 12 or 13 of the 51 samples came back as positive. And, you know, I was really, kind of shocked and taken, taken back. Me and you had spoken a couple of days ago about this. And prior to this, this year, I probably had 15, maybe 20 samples that had tested positive for clincher resistance. And 
I'm seeing that number, the same as what we talked about a few moments ago with propanil, with facet, we're seeing that number starting to, to creep up. And, you know, that's really a con concern. When I think of clincher resistance, one thing I want to make sure our audience understands is we've done a lot of work to look at clincher and then we've taken samples and also sprayed those with Rystar. And if clincher isn't going to work, I can assure all of our listeners that Rystar is also not going to be an option. And someone may say, well, what about Provisia? Uh, Provisia herbicide or even high card. High card is going to be available uh, this year in Maxace rice. And we have seen some positive results with Provisia and high card. It's not a guarantee that those are going to work. We have had some misses there, but, but overall, we have a lot more activity with Provisia or with high card on these populations that have tested positive for clincher or uh, with or rice star resistance. And that clincher and, and rice star resistance, is that localized in a certain area in the state? I mean, is it normally no, mainly Northeast? Is it all over? Where's that? Well, kind of? I, I've seen, like I said, now, I mean, we're probably up to 30 samples and I, I found it all over. I can't point to one area and just say, hey, it, it, it's localized. It's, a, it's, it's not to the point where that I think we're going to go out and we're going to have tremendous number of failures. When I look at when I look at 22% this year on clincher and again, Rystal will be the same, same number. Everyone has to remember that that's not that 22% of our barnyard grass populations are resistant to clincher and resistant to Rystal. We are only getting samples from those that fail. I laugh and tell folks, I've never found a resistant weed. If you, got, if you had effective control of it, if your program works, folks don't send me seed, hey, I got it in the bar ditch, but I killed it out there in the field. We don't get those samples. So I think the number is definitely much, much lower than the 22%, but it is a concern seeing that number is starting to creep up in the last couple of years. You know, a, another herbicide that we include in the program that is, um, is used to a great extent, I've got new path in here, and this past year, 49% of our samples tested positive for new path uh, resistance. I, does that surprise you, Dr. Butts? Not really. Um, I mean, it, it, I get those calls all the time too, where the ALS chemistries don't seem to be working anymore. And I pretty much just say, yep, yeah, that's where we're at in life with it when it comes to it, both, both on barnyard grass and weedy rice anymore too, for that matter. And I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, those ALS chemistries just don't seem we seem like we're losing them every single year uh, by quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you mentioned new path and, and you mentioned that the, the full page system is no different when it comes to the weed control. And so we wanted to highlight that too, you know, new path or preface. Well, they're one in the same, you know, they're the same active ingredient. We could spray one and neither one's going to work. If it's resistant, it's resistant to that chemistry, which is both of those herbicides. So, you know, switching from clear field to full page is not going to give us an answer. If we have resistance in our barnyard grass or weedy rice, they're both going to fail for us. Um, and I think we've seen that now in, in multiple places across the state too. Yeah. And, in the past, I've included loyant within the herbicide screening pro program and 16 ounces of loyant, it's, there's not a lot of growers or just based on my conversations with growers, there's not a lot of growers out there today that's using 16 ounces for, for barnyard grass. We've, we've got some issues. We've had some issues in terms of putting it out of a plane, at least in terms of spraying it. We've had some issues in terms of controlling barnyard grass with it. I've talked about that for the last several years. So. This past winter, I made a decision to drop loyant from the herbicide, the barnyard grass screening program, and I added in regiment. And the reason I added in regiment is we have a tendency to talk about ALS resistant barnyard grass and just kind of group things in together. And 
I was really wanting to know, is regiment a more effective herbicide than new path? And I, I did some reading and looked at some mutations. I've talked about this. Those of you that haven't had a chance to watch the, the Arkansas Crop Management Conference uh, rice presentation, I talk about differences in new path and regiment there. And what's interesting is when I go back and look at all the numbers for this past year, I told you I had 49% of the samples tested positive for new path resistance. Only 14% of the samples tested positive for a regiment resistance. And that really does not surprise me considering the fact that almost any mutation that we have in barnyard grass for ALS resistance, every one of those leads to new path resistance, but only two of the four lead to regiment resistance. And what I see here is that also tells me that the likelihood of those mutations occurring is, is rather rare. And when I hear from growers, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, when I hear from growers or applicators, uh, I don't hear nearly the number of complaints with regiment failures versus that of new path or crevice. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, it's interesting to hear like that, the, you know, the mechanism or the, uh, the, the markers or that kind of stuff that's, that confers some of that resistance because it matches up with the field observations, in my opinion. You know, I see a lot of people having resistance or troubles with the new path prefaces of the world anymore or, you know, also the beyond and postscripts of the world. I mean, those fall in that same category. And so, I, you know, I hear a lot of failures from that standpoint, but then you get to regiment and man, it's just not, it's not to the same level. You'll have a, a handful of guys that will have trouble with regiment uh, and it may be resistance. It may be just kind of, you know, temperature, you know, moisture effects later in the season when they're going out in, in, in poorer conditions, those kinds of things, but just much less complaints uh, on the regiment front than some of those other ALS chemistries. And so that it, it's very interesting to hear that, that how well that matches up with field observations. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, another herbicide that I include in the screening is clomazone or command. And, you know, anytime you hear me get up and talk about rice, I'm going to say it all starts with clomazone. You can put what you can put with it what you want. But at the end of the day, if you don't have clomazone on that acre to start, you're you're behind the eight ball when it comes to barnyard grass control. And, you know, I'm excited to tell you that this year we didn't find any clomazone resistance. And, you know, go again, going back probably a thousand samples over the last 10 years, we're probably somewhere around 10 or 11 samples that have come back positive for chromosome resistance. And I was giving a talk here recently and someone asked me, said, well, why is it that you screened a thousand and you only have 10 chromosome resistance samples when you talk about propanil blowing up, Bassett blowing up, we talked about clincher, new path and all these others blowing up. And really, I think the reason behind that is, is because we start with chromosome. If for some reason, Clomazone does not work. We come back in with post-emergence herbicides and we try to prevent those plants from setting seed. These other products we're talking about, Clencher, Propanil, Facet, Nupath, these are herbicides that we're using in the post-emergence program. And you know, when they fail, we have difficulty preventing seed production. And if you don't prevent seed production, those populations can increase rather quickly. What are, your, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I would agree with that. I was just going to ask, I mean, do you feel that that's the, one of the main reasons why we haven't really heard complaints or, you know, had a major screening step towards Prowl and Bolero yet either, why those are still successful residuals for us? I, I think so too. You know, I mean, Prowl and Bolero, those are two products. I mean, they're strictly residual products. We try to use them early. I mean, even if we use them early post, we're using them for residual control. We're not, we're not putting post-emergence selection on our barnyard grass populations with those herbicides. And you, you're correct, I appreciate you bringing that up. 
I mean, those are two weed, those are two herbicides, that being Prowl and Bolero, absolutely no cases of resistance that I'm aware of at this point as it relates back to barnyard grass, at least here in the, in the Mid-South. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't, I've heard a few, you know, a few rumblings from growers saying they, you know, it may be on the horizon that they feel like they're, they're getting a little nervous about it per se, but nothing to the extent of, of especially like our post-emergence products and, and the clomazone front, you know, I rarely hear anybody tell me that they're, they're concerned right now with, uh, with clomazone resistance, other than just a, a few handful, like you said, the 10 out of a thousand, basically, so. You know, the last herbicide that we include in our barnyard grass screen program is, is glyphosate or Roundup. You know, folks keep asking me, when am I going to find glyphosate resistant barnyard grass? I mean, when is it going to happen? You know, it's over there on the other side of the river. I've had an opportunity to go over to Tennessee and yes, the real deal. I mean, I've, I've seen it there and it's that they truly have resistance. You know, this year our samples come back with absolutely no, no resistance. Now, Having stated that, you know, it's, um, I do think that we're on the verge of losing the battle, even though we don't have resistance today. One thing that I've noticed in my, in my work, and I'd be interesting to hear what, what you're seeing, but when I go and I spray glyphosate or Roundup, we'll spray a 1X rate in the greenhouse and we kill everything. And when we start backing that rate down, we can definitely see that there are populations out there that are highly sensitive there are some populations out there. When I go to a half X rate, I may get 60% control, 70% control, where half X rate provided 100% control of some of these other populations. And what concerns me there, Dr. Butts, is, you know, that's on plants that are three to four inch size. And you get out there in the field and you're out there with a six inch, seven inch barnyard grass plant. And then all of a sudden, I'm not getting good coverage or I mixed it with clomazone command. We've done some work where, you know, you mix those together and you can get some antagonism. Now, if you've got a highly sensitive barnyard grass um, population, that's not, that's not an issue. But if you've got one of these less sensitive populations, that does become an issue. But as of today, I don't have resistance. What, what are you hearing? What are you seeing in the field? Now, that's the same thing. I hear complaints and, and you know, concerns about it. But uh, any of the ones that I've collected and, and done a, just a quick, you know, rough and dirty screening on, there's nothing that I could say that I would confirm resistance on. Now, the the reduced sensitivity or, you know, those kinds of things, I would agree right there with you. I've had a couple populations where I first sprayed at a, you know, lower rate or, you know, like a 22 ounce rate, which is technically labeled, but it's real low. Nobody really uses that anymore. And I've only seen, you know, let's say 75% control out of it, which is kind of scary in a greenhouse when you should be smoking it. But as soon as I upped it to a quart rate, you know, it was gone, it was smoked. And so, uh, you know, I haven't seen where a quart rate has not taken out that population yet. But like you mentioned, I think there's some of that increased or, you know, in reduced sensitivity. And then if you start pairing that with bigger weed size, uh, you know, poor water quality, we got a few places out there in the state where we've got real hard water. And if we're not mixing in things to kind of correct that in advance, that can tie up some of our, our glyphosate and just compound the issue. And so I think there's, you know, when you get some of that increased tolerance, all of a sudden you have these other little factors that really add up and you can see pretty significant losses in control. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned Tennessee. I was actually just recording a, a War Against the Weeds podcast with uh, with Joe Eichley and Dr. Steckel today, and we were talking about that uh, resistant barnyard grass over in Tennessee. And I told him to keep it over on that side of the river. We didn't need any more stuff coming from Tennessee to the Arkansas side. That's I, so I told him I don't want to blame him for another weed species resistant over here. I tell you what, it's the real deal. I've been over there, and I I, I thought about burning my shoes when I. <laughs> 
<laughs> before I came back across yeah. the river after seeing that barnyard grass over there. But uh, so that, that kind of summarizes where we are on barnyard grass. I want to quickly move over and hit on a few other uh, weeds that we have of rice that are important. You know, one that we always think about associated with rice is, is weedy rice. You know, sometimes we call it red rice. Of course, today we have these off-type hybrid rice that, that really have weedy characteristics with them. And so, you know, this past year I had 14 samples that came in. Uh, we tested those for new path resistance and 93% of those, 13 out of 14 of those, tested positive for a new path of what I'm going to say ALS resistance. Again, new path is going to be new path. It's going to be beyond preface, uh, postscript. You're going to see a resistance to those. We also took this year and elected to spray those with Provisia. I'm excited to tell you that we killed all 14 of those uh, with Provisia. And it's just, it, it's getting to the point, I hate to say this, but it's getting to the point where the utility of the full page system or even the Clearfield system for weedy rice control. I mean, I just, I, I, I question why a grower would plant that or a lot of growers would plant that for the control of, of that weed. And you mentioned a few moments ago, you're kind of seeing some similar things as it relates to weedy rice. Yeah, weedy rice and barnyard grass for that matter. I mean, there's a lot of failures anymore on that front too with both of those weeds for, for the Clearfield full page system. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, and just to uh, just kind of hit on some control measures for both of those weeds, because it kind of you can kind of group them together to some extent when it comes to barnyard grass and, and weedy rice. You know, we're really focusing a lot of efforts on recommending, especially on barnyard grass front, you know, get those residuals out and overlap those residuals. Make sure we have those on hand and just never let it out of the ground. You know, the, the commands and facets of the world up front, the prowling boleros overlapping. Uh, you know, you may get a, a little bit of residual out of new path, even on a resistant population, but not to the extent with like facet because it's, you know, typically the tar more the target site, which just confers no matter what. Um, so, so you get hit or miss on that end, but get those residuals out, get them up front and that'll help out a lot. And then as far as post perspectives, if we start getting into these multiple resistance factors for both barnyard grass and weedy rice, and you have a real bad dense population, you know, it's really, at this point, it's, it's, it's highly advantageous to consider the Provisia or Max-A systems and get that other group one, that Quizalifop, as an option post-emergence to try and kill some of that stuff, as well as maybe still working in the regiments of the world uh, post and things like that that might still be effective too. Um, and so really, the, it, not the regiments can work on the weedy rice, but the barnyard grass side there. But uh, when it comes to the weedy rice, if you got a bad population out there, more than likely, you're really going to want to consider that Provisia Max A system to, to help you out. Well, it's, uh, along those lines, you know, if we, if we go back to the early 2000s, Clearfield rice came along and, you know, there was some current concern. ALS resistance evolves rather quickly. And actually, I was surprised to see how long that technology lasted. And it really wasn't, as far as, as far as my thoughts on this, it really wasn't until we started incorporating Clearfield hybrids in there. And with the hybrids, you have this shattering and you have these off types. And that's really where, I, as far as I'm concerned, the term weedy rice really originated because then you had the red rice, you had these off type hybrids that, that were in the field that you couldn't control the following year. And I guess only reason I mentioned that is you know, today or up until this point, we've had Provisia, which is inbred rice. We've had, okay, so you've also got Max Ace, but now with Max Ace, you're going to have an inbred Max Ace, and you're also going to have a 
hybrid MagSafe. So, you know, as I look down the road and I'm, I'm looking two, three, four years from now, I'm a little bit concerned as to whether we're going to generate these off-type uh, MagSafe hybrids that we can't kill with Provisia herbicide or with Hycard or Quizalifop, regardless of what the formulations are. That's, that is a concern in the back of my mind. 100%. And I think that's where we really need to stress, you know, the rotation factor and make sure everybody is following those stewardship guidelines and working through those systems. And that is one place where the full page system can still be really a, a benefit is you don't, you know, you can work that different system in and you don't necessarily have to spray the preface because the labels are written a little bit differently. You could do a postscript only program and then that doesn't pigeonhole you the following year. You could grow conventional rice or max ace rice or provisia rice that following year because you you didn't have to spray, you know, that uh, that new path or preface up front there. So that would be a, you know, again, there, there's a way to make that whole system work and have the rotation factor and try and work in soybeans into that rotation as well. And, and that'll go a long ways at, at delaying that evolution resistance as well. Sounds good. So, you know, the next weed that really pops up on the radar and is the second most problematic, I'm going to say a group of weeds, second mo most problematic weed of flood, flooded rice. We talk about sedges and that, I mean, you've already just mentioned that a few moments ago, but, you know, ALS resistant rice flat sedge, when I look at our numbers and what we're seeing in our screening program, Today, about 90% of what comes in tests positive for ALS resistance from a rice flat sedge standpoint. And then also we have yellow nut sedge. And last time I counted, I'm gonna say three to four populations is what we have in, um, in Arkansas that's ALS resistant on the nut sedge front. And that has been isolated, at least as to what I have screened at this point, that's been isolated mainly to Northeast Arkansas, whereas the rice flat sedge if a, if a grower has that, I don't care if you're in Northeast Arkansas, South Arkansas, it's, um, it, it's everywhere. And I know you've done a lot to try to address the, the sedge issues. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I just assume basically the rice flat sedge is ALS resistant when I start talking about control options across the state. Um, and we've done a, you know, we've done a real concerted effort over the past year or two here to try and make sure everybody knows how to ID, especially those two apart, you know, cause, it, cause our control measures are pretty drastically different now, since we have the, the widespread ALS inhibitor resistance in rice flat sedge, you know, that, that yellow nut sedge, the best option is still the permit permit pluses gambits of the world using those ALS chemistries to get it under control. Uh, whereas, and since the, the resistance is pretty limited, they're still real effective. And so those are the best options for us. But with rice flat sedge, we, you know, we got to go away from that because of that widespread resistance. So being able to ID those two is really important. And when it comes to flat sedge control anymore, you know, from a residual standpoint, my best one is always Bolero. Uh, Sharpen can add some, Facet adds a little bit if you get some mixes with it, but you know, really Bolero is the best residual option there. And then from a post perspective, we fall back on the Bassagran and Propanils of the world. Again, this is where Propanil has some utility for us. Um, and Loint can still be very effective too, you know, in the right situations where guys can get it out, where they can use it effectively, those kinds of things. Um, and so that's really where we're falling back to on a post side. In the yellow nut sedge world, if we do have ALS resistance, you know, we still have options, but they're not as, as good of options as before. You know, Bolero from a residual standpoint, can help. It's not a home run, but it can help. 
a league is the best option from a residual standpoint if we don't have a less resistance. But once we get that league goes out the window too, and you, you know, you kind of fall back to the Bolero again, from a post perspective, Baskaran and Propanil can do a decent job, especially if it's small, it can burn it down. But you know, once it gets a little bit of size to it, more than likely you're going to have to hit it probably twice to burn it back. Same kind of goes for Loyant. Loyant can work on it, but I tend to say it's probably going to take two shots to really kill it out if you want to try and kill it. So it gets a little bit iffy on the yellow nut sedge side when we've got ALS resistance. Yeah, and then another herbicide that we now have a, a federal label for is Rogue. So, I mean, again, I'm not, I, I do not recommend anyone that you have rice flat sedge in your field and you sit there and say, well, I'm gonna let the stuff grow and get to six, eight, nine inches and then flood up on it. And, and But if you, as you're going to flood, if you know that you have rice flat sedge in the field, Rogue is a very effective option. The the one issue you run into with Rogue, I really think that herbicide is, is well, it's tailored for zero grade, it's tailored for side inlet, uh, individual that's going to have a lot of levees in the field and is pushing water, I tell them, this is not a herbicide for you because if you push water, you're going to push herbicide. So if, in those situations, uh, that is a tool that we have in our tool basket to help us control this, this flat sedge. Yeah, 100%. And it's real, it is real effective for, for our rice flat sedges of the world. A little bit less effective for the yellow nut sedge side, exactly. but the, the annual sedges, it's real good on. Yes. So uh, two more weeds we want to hit on rather quickly and then bring this to a close. Uh, Pennsylvania smart weed. You know, I've done some screening on that. I've done a little bit out of the Boot Hill of Missouri as well as Northeast Arkansas. I think I found if you consider the Boot Hill as well as Northeast Arkansas, three or four populations that is ALS resistant. When I say ALS resistant there, I am talking regimen. I'm talking gambit, permit plus, permit. You know, we, we've screened one again this year that we found, I think, in Mississippi County. You've done some work mm. to confirm some ALS resistance. You would agree, again, it's not widespread. I mean, pretty isolated, northeast Arkansas, but it's a concern. Yes, definitely. And I think it's, I think it's, I would say it's spreading because I get more and more calls on it each year uh, and concerns about it. And so I think it's definitely spreading. I'd be on the lookout for it. And like you mentioned, I mean, it's everything. It's Gambit and Regiment. You know, it's the, the permit, permit pluses, like none of it works. And when I say none of it works, I mean, none of it comes close to work. And I think the population I screened last year, the highest rate I used was an 8X rate, which is still pretty darn high. And I mean, it didn't touch it. It maybe stunted it slightly and it just grew right out of it, you know, so it, that's when we're talking a four ounce rate of regimen and it's not, you know, it stunts it back a little bit. That's a big deal. You know, not none of those ALSs are going to get it. And so we really fall back on trying to control that thing. If you have that resistance, again, it's not great options, but it can be successful if you hit it right. Again, the Bassagran and propanils of the world will burn it down and, and, and keep it in check. If you hit it early and you hit it, you know, maybe with sequentials, uh, Loyant is less effective on it. Um, I'm not sure. Is something like a grandstand? Does that help at all on the smart weed? You know, I, it's not going to do a lot. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I typically fall back on the Bassagran and Propanils of the world to try and burn it down. That's really been my number one recommendation. If you've got that resistance or concern for resistance in it. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And like you said, it, it better be small. If you get some size on it, you're going, you're going to have some difficulty there. Last week we want to cover today, and then we're going to wrap this up. A sprangle top, you know, that's again, that's one of the top five weeds that we have in the state. It's been a couple of years ago now. I found some ACCA's resistance. We probably one or two populations. I didn't, I didn't test any this past year, but we do have some ACCA's resistance out there. And 
This one's a little bit different than what we see with the barnyard grass. I actually, I looked at Clincher, I looked at Rystar, I looked at Provisia, I looked at Post, I looked at, I mean, there's, what I saw in terms of the resistance, uh, it, it was it was resistant to basically any ACCA's herbicide that I that I had in this uh, in these couple of populations of Sprangletop that we we've seen in the past. And I guess what concerns me when I sit here and say post or I say the the select type products, I mean that means not that we're using those in rice, but when we go to soybean and we may be trying to use those in soybean and we can't control this, that's really a concern. Yeah, that's real limited limiting options across our rotation. It's kind of thrown out the rotation effect where we can kill some stuff. So that's that's a uh, difficult to hear. Uh, were those mainly? I think you told me, but these were mainly in in South Arkansas. These are in South, South Arkansas. Arkansas. I confirmed yeah. one out of Louisiana, and then I think there's one or two in South Arkansas. So again, not not something that's widespread. It is something that we're keeping an eye on, especially as you expect the Provisia and the Max Ace rice acres to increase, there's going to be more and more selection pressure uh, on that type of chemistry. Yeah. And I would just say, keep a lookout on that too, as far as it's spreading, you know, spreading goes, because, you know, we're talking about mainly South Arkansas there, but I know last year when I was driving around, you know, Clay, Green, Lawrence, Randolph counties last year, for some reason, just had real bad sprangle top. I mean, there were a lot of escapes last year and last year was a strange year. We have strange years everywhere. So it, maybe we just chalk it up to the year it was, but it just seemed like last year, sprangle top had a heyday up, up there last year too. And whatever the reason was, I'm not sure, but it, you know, again, it seems like, randomly you'll have some real bad pockets of sprangle top anymore too out there exactly. and again you know our best control methods there are still you know our typical grassers and but again overlaying residuals if we can get residuals out overlap them especially that you know that overlapping later post-emergence residual is really what catches a lot of that sprangle top because it tends to be a later emerger on us you know that's the best ideal situation make sure we're laying the, some of those overlapping residuals down and that'll help us out there too that is correct. I see, I see it a lot of times coming up right as we're trying to go to flood where we've got it coming. So with that, Dr. Bucks, I want to wrap up today's uh, podcast. I want to thank you for uh, joining again this, this podcast. And hopefully again next week, me and you can get together and we can do another podcast and we can, we can focus on some other weeds outside of rice. I really enjoy talking about rice, talking about uh, solutions for our rice growers. So again, thanks for being with us. And I want to say thanks to uh, those that are listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on the Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.